Do you want your middle school girl to grow into a strong, confident, and resilient young adult? So do I. The only thing is, middle school's hard for both kids and parents. Welcome to the Raising Middle School Girls podcast. I'm Janice Scholl, and I'm just a regular parent on a mission to uncover the best tips and advice for raising middle school girls. Hey there, parents. Janice Scholl here. And before we get into today's episode, I have something to share with you. I know how invested you are in your kid's success. You wouldn't be listening to a podcast named Raising Middle School Girls if you weren't. But how can we help prepare our kids for the future in such a rapidly changing world? This is something I think about all the time. The Critical Thinking Institute's new program, Brighter Minds, Better Futures, teaches our kids how their brains work and how to seize control of their brains to improve their grades, decision-making, emotion control, and learning strategies. After I interviewed Steve Perlman, founder of the Critical Thinking Institute on the podcast, I knew this, my kids needed this program. And now I'm honored to be an affiliate for this program. In just minutes a week, through short videos, your kids will actually enjoy you can help set them up for lifelong success. Go to thectinstitute.com and check out Brighter Minds, Better Futures, or you can click on the link in the show notes. And when you go to thectinstitute.com, make sure you input coupon code Janice, J-A-N-I-C-E, for a 15% discount. As a CTI affiliate, I do earn a small commission for qualifying purchases at no extra cost to you. This helps the Raising Middle School Girls podcast continue to deliver great content to parents. Again, that website is thectinstitute.com, coupon code Janice. Now let's get into today's show. I'm interviewing Erin Tarr, and she's a confidence coach for teens and tweens, and she's got over 20 years of experience of helping our kids and speaking their language. She's also the author of a new book just for tweens and teens called Your Fierce Life, Six Simple Steps to Daily Confidence for Teens. Erin educates and coaches young people while also helping their families navigate this important stage of life. She's also one of my favorite people to follow on Instagram because she's so energetic and speaks in a way that teens actually listen. She offers bite-sized, thought-provoking tips, and I definitely learn from her and how to engage with my middle schooler. And if you are a parent who has a teen on Instagram, she is someone that you want your teen following there. Welcome, Erin. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. So good to be here. So I want to start off by asking you, like I've been following you for a while. I've I've been exposed to your fierce life and you're so excited about what you do. Why is teens self-confidence so important to you? I think that I did not recognize how important it was to me as an educator. My background is in education. I've always been very passionate about helping the next generation. That's always been a thing, but I didn't realize how passionate I was until literally the moment that I birthed my first child over 15 years ago. (laughs) Something changes in that moment. And you have this moment of, I have a life of a girl in my hands and I'm her primary educator forever. The world's going to do a lot, 
but I'm number one, you know, my spouse and I, we are her people. How did I not realize till this moment (laughs) when she has just vacated my body, what a big deal that would be. How did that not occur to me till just now? So that's why I'm so passionate. I now have three daughters and recognizing that the world they're growing up in is different than the world that I grew up in. And yet the tools that they need to overcome the obstacles that they're going to face are the exact same ones that I needed when I was their age that I didn't necessarily have that I need now as a middle-aged mom that I'm finally developing in ways that can be productive and useful for both myself and my family. And I just want that for all kiddos. Yeah. You just said something really interesting that I want to kind of poke on, which is, you know, we do live in a very different world than the one I was in when I was in middle school. Uh, And sometimes that feels really overwhelming as a parent. But, But the part that you said that was interesting is that the tools that we needed are still the same tools. So different world, different circumstances, same tools and mechanisms for our kids. 100%. And that's What I love about and where I got so excited about personal development, leadership development, the even the cutting edge psychology stuff, it's stuff that we needed, but they hadn't done the studies on to to figure out. So we get to be even better parents than our parents were or our grandparents were, whoever, because we understand more about how the brain works, how development works, all of those types of things. And as an adult, prior to having kids, you understand that, oh, that's cool or that's interesting. But then when you have young people who are going to grow up and change the world and experience the world in different ways, you see how these time-honored traditions, uh, the seven habits of highly effective people, how to win friends and influence people, uh, all of these things that were more based on common wisdom than psychological studies, but how those same tools actually still work and still make sense. And now we have the data to back them up and be like, oh, that this is why that was such a popular book. Or this is why that uh, thought leader, which they didn't call them thought leaders, you know, 50 years ago, but that's why they made such an impact on the world around them because it is based on the data and the research of how our brains work and then giving them the tools that we need to to live our very best life, you know, whatever that looks like. There's so many tools that I can't put them into one big box right now, but yeah. Yeah. And and we're going to talk, I'm going to call it more of like a framework or a system that you offer, but, but what does a confident teen look like and what do they grow up to be able to do differently than if they aren't exposed to something like this? Absolutely. I think the most confident teens are the ones who Number one, stay curious. So they remain curious about why they feel and act and react in certain ways, as well as remaining curious about why other people are feeling and acting certain ways. So instead of jumping to judgment, which is the normal thing to do as a developing teen brain, and often we get stuck there as adults as well, but instead if we see kids having a hard time, if we can give them the tools to stay curious, to remain in that curious space, they become more confident. And number two, 
that understand what their values are. What are the things that are most important to them? Because then when you see someone going out for the varsity track team, but you don't like running, you can very confidently say, you know what? I'm going to stick with chorus. Not because, you know, I'm not doing things just because the world around me is saying like, ooh, this is the cool thing to do right now, but because I know what I love and I know who I am. I know what I stand for. I know what I value. And running is not one or whatever whatever that means, you know, in their world. And so those two things, staying curious and knowing our values are two things. And there's a lot of ways to help students develop that. But those are the things that are going to help them in middle school in high school in college and into for sure into parenting, because how many of us entered the world of parenting? Like, oh, I'm so confident. I know what I'm doing five years before we had kids and five minutes after we kids having kids, we're like, oh, we actually have no idea what we're doing. I don't know how many, how many parents have we talked to that are babysitters or nannies that are like, well, you just need to. And then they have their own kid and you're like, oh, now you see, it's not so easy. Yep. But when we stay curious as parents, when we know our values as parents, we are less likely to compare to the world around us and we are more confident in our decisions uh, and the way that we approach life. And then if there's a third thing that the kid is not actually in control of, but that is so important for their confidence is that safe home base. Knowing that I have this home base to come to, like I get so emotional about it. Like I literally could cry uh, because if every kid had that, um, it would, it would change the whole world. If every kid had a safe space where they knew when I come home, I am unconditionally loved. I am in a safe space. I can be myself, whatever that looks like today. Cause it's going to look different on Monday. than it looks on Friday. Then it looks on Saturday afternoon and that's okay. That would be a game changer, but the kids don't have control over that. So, yeah. And I think, you know, you say like it'll change them as parents and that's kind of the long-term world changer right mm-hmm. is that our kids if they're doing this through the process and they're they're parenting even better than we are today because they know better than we do today simply because of education and knowledge uh what you're saying is we could help there be more kids hopefully in safe spaces who are themselves, who are growing up confidently and changing the world. Absolutely. I'm playing the long game for sure. (laughs) I love it. Well, you know, you have worked with a lot of different teens and tweens. What is the most common challenge that you hear that they face with self-confidence? Without a doubt, it's the difference between fitting in and belonging. It's the, it's the friend situation, our community. We are an average of the five people we spend the most time around. Who we spend the most time around as kids is often not dictated by us. It's by our neighborhood, our school, our religious organizations, our family. We don't get to choose. And therefore, becoming an average of those five people and then navigating those relationships can really, it, it impacts how our brain grows. It impacts who we think we are. It impacts our identity, which in turn impacts our confidence. So if we are around people who are uplifting and kind and generous with their words and their praise, and also keep us accountable to who we say we want to be and our good examples, and uh, we can trust them 
we grow up more psychologically healthy and thus more confident because not only do we get the benefit of that community, but then we emulate that community. So I don't remember the question at this point, but <laughs> I, I guess what you said was really awesome. <laughs> I get going on a roll and I'm, and I'm like, wait, I'm on a soapbox again. What was I talking about? <laughs> well, and, and you started by saying, you know, the biggest challenge is the difference between fitting in and belonging. And, you know, we become who we hang out with. Yes, 100%. And that that challenge of knowing as a young child how to set boundaries and how to be ourselves and recognize that belonging means that we're accepted just for who we are and fitting in is changing ourselves to be in a certain place or space with certain people and recognizing that belonging feels so much better in the long run than fitting in does in the short run. And the ways that children talk to each other nowadays, starting at the youngest ages, is absolutely devastating to me. And plays a huge role in their confidence because especially when you get to this tween age, this middle school age, and that's why I love working with middle schoolers is because this is the first time where their brains are starting to peer reference instead of adult and parent reference. So my sixth grader knows, well, mom, you have to say that you're my mom. You have to say that you like my taste in clothes and you have to say that uh, I'm growing into a wonderful young lady, but I have all this evidence at my school and these people are all telling me otherwise. And so your one little vote, which used to, when I was eight years old, mean everything and outweigh everybody, no longer does. And that's a really, it's a really tricky time. And I think that's why when we're raising middle schoolers, we're raising them from the time they're zero all the way up to middle school because if we just start raising middle schoolers in sixth grade, whew, it's a lot harder than if we prepared in advance, in my opinion. Right. And it is, it, you're so right. It's like all of the tools and comments that we made when they were younger that were effective, all of a sudden, I'm getting an eye roll. Yeah. Or, and, and we have a great kid, but she just, thinks about what we're telling her differently than she used to. 100%. 100%. And that's normal. Yay. So yay for typical development in that way. (laughs) (laughs) Because that is a warning sign. You know, a lot of parents are like, well, my kid has never given me any bit of trouble. They listen to everything I say. And I'm like, actually, that's a warning sign. Either they totally pulled the wool over your eyes or... They are not typically developing because there is a part of, this is where it begins, the part of childhood with the little bit of pushback, whether it's an eye roll or a fine mom, like, yes, they're listening and they're also frustrated with us. You know, those are, you know, I am so blessed, I think, to study this, you know, don't you feel that way? So that all these things, when they happen, I actually kind of do like a little happy dance inside. I'm like, this is normal. (laughs) This is how it's supposed to be. Yes, it does. I think learning about it really does make parenting better. It makes you feel more confident as a parent and that it's more enjoyable because I'm like, this is typical. This is what is supposed to happen. They're supposed to pull away. They're supposed to look to their peers for guidance. That's, this is a normal phase of life. Um, 
And it's also to know that that this phase of life is not forever, that, that the relationship continues to develop because they learn things. You have worked with a lot of kids and you have three daughters yourself. You said, what has challenged you the most in trying to raise daughters with confidence? What's interesting now, so I've done my coaching business in a variety of formats over the last decade plus. And it's been everywhere from big events to one-on-one coaching to small groups to memberships where kids would come every month or every week to live in person to Zoom, obviously, starting in COVID and all these types of things. It's been every single format. And my older two daughters were flies on the wall during all of that development. So I for sure now realize I am reaping the benefits of being able to tell my kids things that I didn't tell them. They heard as I was doing a conference or a workshop or recording a podcast or whatever. They're constantly in my orbit floating around from the early ages. And so they have developed so much not because I was ever their mom teaching them the thing, but because they were just exposed to all of the tools and all of the things that I was learning and growing in. And and I would talk with them about it. So now I have this eight-year-old who, God bless her, came of age during COVID basically. (laughs) And so everything was online. So she was kind of off in her own little world doing Zoom kindergarten and all these other things. And I haven't gone back to live events in that same way. And she hasn't been that fly on the wall in the same way. And so it's interesting to see her thought process and development versus the other two. And I'm tempted to start doing more regular live events just so she can be in the room. <laughs> so I can at the age of 13 reap the benefits of what she of what she learns because as a parent, it is extremely inconvenient, awkward, time-consuming to read a personal development book or read a book about child development or read or listen to a psychology podcast or what have you, and then take the time to break down the finer points of it in a developmentally appropriate way while you're also trying to cook supper and do the laundry and help make sure everybody gets their homework done and the car service and all these other things. It just, it's not something that flows normally into a person's day. Even being a person who this is my entire job to do this, when it comes to my eight-year-old, we're focused on those exact same things, getting her fed, getting her homework done, getting her to gymnastics, all these other things. And it comes and goes in bits. You know, I think she gets more of it than maybe somebody from a parent who doesn't study at 24 seven. Um, but it made me recognize like how important it is to make sure that our kids are involved in activities or groups that are specifically focused on helping them learn these tools from someone that's not in their family. Uh, Because my eight-year-old needs that in a big way in comparison to what my older two got just because of how I worked. So um, I've definitely been very cognizant of making sure my kids have coaches, my kids have therapists, my kids have um, personal development groups that are outside of me because they need to hear it from all the places. They're hearing the world. They're hearing, you know, all the things the world wants to put in on them that aren't necessarily the best tools, aren't necessarily um, problem-solving techniques that they should be using. And 
we need to make sure we're directly teaching and exposing them to opportunities that can help them. So I see that as a parent for sure with my third one. Wow. That's really important because you think that because you do this for a living, you know exactly how to talk to your kids. And you really kind of do, but it doesn't mean that's enough. You know, our kid, there's so much influence out there. And if, I mean, what I'm hearing is if we're the only positive influence voice in our kids' lives, then they're not getting enough. I look at it as a one to five ratio, always. What, I mean, that's a ratio I use across the board in many different ways. But in the context that you're talking about it right now, if they have one negative person in their life, they need five positive people who are encouraging them to counteract that. And we as one are usually not enough for that. So if we are lucky enough to have two parents in the household, awesome, that are both you know positive, encouraging people, that's great. That's two. Who else can we get? A coach, a teacher, a Sunday school um, person, a youth group leader, neighbors, aunts, uncles, whoever it is, we need to make sure that those people not only know our kid and our kid knows them, but that they understand how important their role is, how important we see their role in our child's life as being someone who will always be that support, be that foundation, because the rest of the world isn't looking at their role that way. The rest of the world is like, I'm out for myself. I've got to figure this out, especially in middle school. Yes. <laughs> you know, so we need to make sure that they are surrounded by a cloud of, of positive, affirmational adults, whatever that looks like for each yeah. individual family. Yeah. And the other thing that you you touched on was the time. Like nobody's got time for this stuff. And, and my I'm going to tell you my way of doing it, which is totally wrong. I'm telling everybody because they shouldn't do it this way, which is like I'll get really excited about some kind of personal development topic. And I'm like, this is really important for the kids and life is busy. And then all of a sudden we'll have this window where we can sit down and talk about it. And I'm all in and I'm ready to talk about it for a half an hour and like impart all this wisdom. And my daughter will literally say to me, focus gone, 30 seconds in, I'm at my max. What else? Give me what you got to give me, but I got to go. I cannot take any more. And so even when I'm trying, like it's not working, but that's, I want to talk about your book, Your Fierce Life, because it gives a framework and it also gives a format in which we can do this stuff in our crazy lives. Yes. That's what I love about frameworks. In and out, quick. Uh, efficiency is one of my core values. So <laughs> yes. and designed as much as I can to be as efficient as possible. So yes, FIERCE is an acronym for the six simple steps. So each letter stands for something that literally can be done first thing in the morning in less than five minutes usually. And when you are able to, I tell kiddos, I'm like, even if you can only integrate one or two of these into your morning routine, you will have such a better start, such a more positive outlook, such a leg up, shall we say, not just on that day, but on life, because it's the exponential returns of all of these habits that truly matter and programming them into our subconscious. So Shall we go over? This yes, okay, please. <laughs> I was like, I want to make sure that's what we're ready for. Okay, awesome. So the F is feel gratitude. And for each of these, I'm just going to give you a really high overview. I go into more in the book, obviously, but feel gratitude first thing in the morning. So I, one of my hacks for this is training ourselves to before we even open our eyes in the morning, when we are still 
not quite aware that it's morning for whatever reason, whether our alarm went off or we, you know, hear people moving around or whatever it is, uh, taking that moment to just feel gratitude. And I talk about gratitude, the feeling of it being a visceral reaction. So you know you've truly felt gratitude and not just said the thing you're grateful for, um, but really felt it because there's a visceral reaction, either a smile to your face or goosebumps or your tummy feels awesome. Or I mean, sometimes even tears, depending on what you're grateful for. So uh, feel gratitude is the F. I is I am statements. These are affirmations. Affirmations, you will have people tell you that affirmations don't work. They do work when you know how to work them. So they are an integral part of building confidence for sure when you know how to use them. But I am statements is number two. E, the, the first E is for exercise. And I tell everybody, fear not, I am not talking about going out and running a 5K each morning or even doing a full half hour of yoga or anything like that. The E is all about mindful movement first thing in the morning, just to make sure that we are aware of our bodies. We go through so much of our life, I can say this as a middle-aged woman, not being aware of what's going on in our bodies. And if we can teach our kids to stay in tune the way they're into, like, when a five-year-old is hungry, they tell you they're hungry. You know, um, when an eight-year-old needs to go to the bathroom, they're like, I have to pee now. Like they're very aware of all of the parts of their body. You know, they're wiggling them all the time. They know what's happening somewhere along the way that is, you know, taken out of us. And we need to make sure for our kiddos sake, I think for their benefit, that they're always aware of what's happening in their body. And so spending 60 seconds or less just becoming aware of your body. Sometimes that might need jumping jacks. Sometimes it might just be breathing exercises, but things that will help you to recognize what's happening in your body. That's the E, exercise. The R is read. I love the R. I love reading because we're not, again, reading a novel. This is not for school. This is not for a test. This is not for anything. It's literally taking a bit of inspiration, whether it's from a famous person's quote or a non-famous person's quote, or a religious text of some sort, but taking something short and then asking yourself questions about it. Do I understand it? Do I believe it? And if I believe it, how does this impact my day? So just starting your day with a bit of inspiration and a bit of critical thinking about, is this something I believe and how am I going to utilize it for my success today? So that's the R. C is create. I believe we should be creating all the time. I feel wholeheartedly sad for people who feel that they are not creative people or that their job is not a creative job because I believe everyone is creative and every position and job and career can be creative because it's all about the lens that we bring to that. And so making sure that our kiddos don't lose that, you know, again, the five-year-old loves their drawings, loves their paintings, loves to show them, thinks they're the best. And then somewhere along the way around middle school, we start to really self-censor and judge. And so making sure that that spark of creativity is still alive. And first thing in the morning, that might be like jotting a haiku or putting together a cool outfit or, um, you know, making designs on our toast in the morning. I don't know, just things to make sure that we're keeping that creative spark alive. And then the last E is encourage others. It's all about taking all of this 
that we're getting for ourselves first thing in the morning and then pushing it out into the world in beautiful ways. And that's, you know, where the ripples really start to flow. So if you do these things six, if you do all six of these things in the morning, I guarantee by the time you step out of your house, you will feel more confident, more excited about your day, ready for what's going on. And, you know, I'm going to confess, I don't do all six every day and I created <laughs> the acronym, but you can bet that at least two of them every day uh, before I even leave my bedroom have been completed and it makes a difference. So, and it's a fun way to do with your kids. Yeah. So the thing that I like about it is that I, until you get to the last E, really you can do all of them without leaving your bedroom in the morning. So, I mean, a lot, our middle schoolers have to wake up earlier than they should be really mm-hmm. based for on real. their circadian, for real, their circadian mm-hmm. rhythm is not designed for it. But so I'm like, can we really make a morning routine that adds to their list? But what you've made is approachable and like reasonable. You can put, you can break it down to whatever works for the person making a face on toast. You must know my daughter. She likes to sculpt with butter. It's a thing at the dinner table. So, you know, they can do it in a way that's not designed for something that they have to present to the outside world. It's literally just to get their mind and body right as they walk out the door. 100%. I've even, we do it often in the car. If, you know, we're doing everything in the morning, everybody's on a different schedule, things are happening. The minute we get in the car, I'm like, what are we grateful for? And I actually made a little spinner and there's a, a wheel that we spin and it lands on an I am statement and they get to say their I am statement and then tell about how that I am statement may or impact their day. That's if they can't think of one, you know, if they already know what they need for the day, then I don't, I don't push, but you know, we gamify it. We make it fun in the car together to go through some of these things. And, uh, especially when they're young, that's so easy. And then it gets into their subconscious. You know, we don't tell them to put on, well, some days I do. I'm like, we don't tell them to put on their socks every day, but we do. (laughs) Before they go out the door, most of the time, they remember to put on shoes, right? Because it's just something that is ingrained into how we operate. I mean, apologies if you have one of those kids who walks out without shoes on a regular basis and doesn't tell you till you get there. Like I know that happens, (laughs) happens, but, uh, but there are certain things that are just part of how your family operates and how your family flows that your kids don't even think are weird or unusual. It's just part of what you do. And that's the beauty of this. I think if we can get that into our kids' routine and their life, then that's when it becomes really beautiful because they do it without even you. I love going into my 15 year old's room and seeing things that she's written on her whiteboard. She'll write I am statements on her whiteboard before a test. I didn't tell her to do that. I didn't, you know, I am not, I didn't even know she was doing it. Right. But I'm just going into like put in laundry or something. And I'm like, oh, she's using the skills exactly as you would think someone would use them once they're part of their life, not because they have to, or they're being forced to, or they're, you know, it's, it's so beautiful and I'm yes. so grateful. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool to see. And it is, I mean, it becomes a habit, right? We we were just talking about this in our household the other day. It's like, you don't know how weird your family is until you like really get exposed to somebody else's family. So you can, you can do all this stuff with your kids and they don't know anybody, nobody else is doing it. You can get all this goodness together and that is just who they are. Yes. 
to that point, I often tell my kids, I'm like, now when you go to college, and I'll say like, other families use top sheets. We don't. Or families, <laughs> you know, make a variety of meals. We don't. You know, so like, just so you know, it's going to be different when you meet different people. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, and I And I do really appreciate like the reality of sometimes you can do two sometimes you can do five. It's okay if you don't do them all because as a person who has a hard time having for forming habits, um, I am definitely one who like does it a couple of times and is like, well, didn't get through the whole thing. So we're not going to do this anymore. What you're doing is some is better than none. Absolutely. Absolutely. And in your book, you also offer kind of a, well, you offer a variety of guides depending on what adult what, which positive influence, as we talked about earlier, is, is working with your teen through this book. And there's a parent section for that. And I really appreciate that as well, that you offer kind of the way that we can tee this up for our kids. Absolutely. Any way that we can. These six habits are mental health band-aids maybe for lack of a better term. I just made that up. I've never used it that way before. But when when our when we can implement them in fun ways throughout our day and throughout our year with our kids, they will become their go-tos. So when they're at school and they get a bad grade under their test and they feel awful, they auto automatically all of a sudden have six tools that they can drop back to and say, wait, is one of these going to help me right now? I got a bad grade on a test. I'm feeling awful. Can I encourage someone else? Or maybe I can read a quote about failure and I can process that for a minute. Or maybe I can be grateful that I <laughs> had an A already. So this bad grade on the test is only going to get me to a B and I can work my way back or whatever. You know what I mean? Like we're giving them tools that they're going to utilize when they're outside of our house, when they're out from under our umbrella, so to speak. So that's the beauty of having like the parent guide is when we implement them, even if our kids never read the book. And I really, I really desperately tried to make it something that a kid would pick up and be like, huh, this looks interesting. It's colorful. There's, you know, activities to do inside. There's a variety of formats that things it's, there's not too many words on any one page. <laughs> like I really wanted, cause there's great literature out there for young adults to help them live their best life that they will never read because it's so dense and it's so exhausting. And they're just like, no, I, I can't do that. So I tried to really make it that way. But even if they never pick it up, even if they're not a reader, even if they eye roll because mom gave it to them or whatever, if you as a parent read it and go through the parent guide and think about what are ways that we can make this fun, we can gamify this, we can implement these things as a family that will just flow into our kids, into their hearts, their minds, their subconscious. You know, I think heart and subconscious is basically the same thing, but that's a whole nother soapbox. So <laughs> it's such a, well, okay. So I have a reader. My daughter can like put down a 400 page book in yeah. a day, literally a day. She's crazy. Yeah. But if I try to sneak the books in that have like positive lessons for her, she is like, What's this? You know, yeah. And that one will sit on her shelf politely for a really long time. So I, I find in this age, when we're trying to get them to learn something, you do have to gamify it. You do have to have activities in the book that they actually want to do. And then like the lesson is 
this unintended consequence from their perspective. We want the lesson, but <laughs> they want the entertainment along with it. And that I think really comes through in your book as well. Oh, yay. I'm glad. <laughs> so I have one last question for you. And that is what was middle school like for you? Oh, so interesting. So in our school, we had fourth grade through eighth grade, but technically middle school was like junior high and it was seventh and eighth grade. So it was really a very interesting time. I was a cheerleader. So in some ways I was looked at as like popular and influential, but none of my closest friends were cheerleaders with me. So, and they were more of like the academic nerdy, you know, on the outskirts side. So those were my close friends that I had since like fourth, fifth grade, but also I had this desire to do, you know, uh, cheerleading. Also I was on show choir. So I did all the things and the culmination of all that was, is I just really didn't know who I was and what my identity was. And the truth is none of, none, no middle schoolers do. They're figuring it out, which is how I continue to give grace to people that treat my kid poorly. Cause I'm like, they're figuring themselves out. <laughs> and what I find fascinating is that on the outside, anybody looking in straight A student doing all this stuff, like I had it all. And I, I didn't feel it. I didn't appreciate it. I, there was zero, there was zero confidence in any of it. Um, I was able to put on a great show and I think that really spoke to why, when I had my own children, I was like, Hmm, if they want it all, I want them to have it all, but I want them to feel great about whatever it is they have. Yeah. That makes a huge difference. So, yeah. Yeah, that I mean that it just hits home, I think, especially in today's world of social media, where many of us, adults and teens included, are looking at people who on the surface appear to have it all, but there is emptiness behind it. One hundred percent. Oh, it's it's a weird world. It's a super weird world. And I think circling back to the beginning, giving our kiddos that safe space helping them understand their values and staying curious with them are the best three things that we can do. Yes, absolutely. Well, Erin, thank you so much for talking with us today. Can you tell people where they can learn more about your work and your book? Absolutely. So on my website, www.erintar.com slash podcast freebie, you will have, there's actually a quote of the day calendar that you can download for free. So you can use the R every single day. You can put it on your mirror or your refrigerator or whatever. And there's also a link to find out more about the book there as well as uh, Fierce Moms community. So yeah, check it out. Thank you so much for talking with us today. This has been awesome. Yay. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Raising Middle School Girls podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more conversations with experts designed to help you support your middle school girl, please hit subscribe. You can also sign up for the newsletter at the link in the show notes to receive emails about tips and resources, upcoming events, and new podcast episodes, all designed to support you and your child.